We are actually going to get back into the book of Hebrews, which we've been studying for about a year. Uh, we're going to be back in in September. But in August, we always take a little moment to do a kind of just a kind of a one-off, four-week little series we called Make It Stick. And the reason is, is if you remember, the book of Hebrews is written to Christians to continue on, to don't drift, don't fall away, don't turn to the left or to the right, but follow after the Lord because it brings great reward in, in what is to come. And so we've decided to kind of take this month and talk about how do we make it stick? How do we follow Jesus and become such a fully devoted follower of Christ that we persevere through difficult times, not turn to the left or to the right? And so we've taken what kind of is our pathway of, of discipleship. You've already, we've talked about it this morning, which is engage with God, connect with others, and live on mission. And so two weeks ago, we talked about what does it mean to engage with God? Because at the heart of Christianity, this is about relationship. It's not about a religion. It's not about jumping through hoops. It is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it starts with knowing him in Jesus who died for our sins, putting our faith, our trust in him, inviting him into our life and knowing his forgiveness. But then we grow through and we engage with him through his word, the Bible, and through prayer. Last week we talked about the importance of connecting with others because that's really where discipleship happens. Because in those relationships, first of all, we learn from one another. We learn what does it look like to Jesus, to walk with him, to talk with him. And so we learn from others who maybe have, are facing some of the things we're facing now. And so instead of having to make the same mistakes, we can, we can learn from them. But it's also that place where we get to serve others. And as we talked about last week, there's no way that we could become fully devoted followers of Christ to become like Jesus without serving. Because that was at the heart of who Jesus was. The whole reason he came was to serve us and to give his life as a ransom. And so the church community, the family of God, is where we get to now serve one another and be his hands and feet. Today we want to talk about living on mission. And I've got to be honest with you, personally, this is the one that excites me the most. Uh, now I'll admit, I'm a little bit of a type A personality. Uh, Tammy might argue a little bit more than a little bit. Uh, I, I, I like to take life. I like to charge in. I like to grab the bull by the horns. I mean, that's just kind of me. But, but to be honest, what I could never do, which would be so frustrating to me, is to try to live in the hamster wheel of life that so many people try to live in. And that is we, you know, we get up in the morning and we go to work to have enough money so we got a place to go when we're done to have a roof over our head and food on our table so that we can eat and rest so that we can get up and go to work again. I mean, that would just, that would drive me crazy. And sadly, I would argue that it's driving a lot of people crazy. I mean, when you look at the amount of mental health issues, depression, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, porn addiction, because here's the thing, it's, it doesn't satisfy. It just, there's, there's an emptiness there. And if you don't believe me, 
Read the book of Ecclesiastes. The richest man in the world. The man who had more stuff, more women. He says it's all vanity, the chasing after the wind. And it is. You know, because of that, I kind of understand sometimes when people when people drive hard and, and they almost sell their soul for career and stuff because they're trying to find purpose. The problem is it just doesn't end up giving. That's why so many people run into, we call it midlife crisis, because it's not purpose. And, and what I want to tell you today, and what I hope you understand is you know Jesus if you are a follower of his, you got the best purpose in the whole world to live for. Because not only does it matter today and give meaning today and why I get up in the morning today, but it counts tomorrow. When you and I live on mission, it's not just stuff that matters today, but it'll matter next year. And it'll matter in 10 years. And it'll matter in 100 years. And 1,000 years. And literally, a million years from today, when none of us are here, I hope Jesus come back by then, right? It'll still matter. And for me, that gives me such a sense of purpose. That's a reason to get up in the morning. I, you know, I see so many today getting so excited about politics. And what you don't understand is, you know, I get that, but the real reality is a year from now the politics will all be different and five years from now is really going to be different ah but you follow jesus you live on mission man it's still going to matter it's still going to matter and so folk that's what i want to talk about today and there's so many passages, but this is maybe my favorite. It's Acts chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read these first 12 verses together. Acts chapter 1. And if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, it was written by Luke. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke uh, to a man by the name of Theophilus. And now he's writing the second book of the book of Acts. By the way, small minor point, but if you're a Bible trivia person... Which, by the way, nobody, it's the only game I can win and nobody likes to play with. I don't get that. But one, you know, question, who wrote most of the New Testament? Answers, Luke. Book of Luke, book of Acts, by volume, biggest part. There you go. All right, so think of me when you win that one, right? So this is what he writes. Let's read it together. The first account I composed the Alphalus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs according appearing to them over a period of 40 years and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go to heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. One of the things you have to understand about this idea of living on mission is that it is rooted, its foundation is in this idea of our two worldview. This world is not our home. Jesus is coming back. That this is not our only life. We actually got something far better that is coming. And when you look at what happened here, so Jesus has gathered his disciples up on the Mount of Olives. And if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, you're going to stand on the Mount of Olives and you're going to look over the city of Jerusalem and they're there and he's taking them up there. And he says, now listen, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. Because the Father's going to send his promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you now are going to have power and you are going to go be my witnesses. Jerusalem is there. Judea is the surrounding area. Samaria is farther north. And then to the uttermost part of the world. And then he just starts going up. And he goes up. And you can imagine they're kind of gawking. I would have been gawking. He's swallowed up in the cloud. They don't know if he's going to come out the other side, right? They're, 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 they're gawking, and the angels show up. And did you see, in essence, the rebuke? Verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking to the sky? Because uh, I, he just went up. That's why. And their point is, but this same Jesus who just went up, is going to come back down. And he gave you marching orders. You shall be my witnesses. Go wait in Jerusalem. You have the marching orders. Go. And the whole point is this. Because there's a future world, because Jesus is coming back, because you and I are going to live forever with him, this life matters. How you and I live today matters for Jesus. It matters for eternity. It has purpose. It has meaning. Because one day we are going to be with him. Face to face. Eyeball to eyeball. Walk hand in hand. Jesus came so that we could be with him forever. That's the day. That's the day when he comes back. Now, if you were with us Two weeks ago when we talked about how Christianity is at heart, it's a relationship, we went back to creation. Because God made man different. God made man in his image to know him, to reflect him, to have relationship with him. But man rebelled. That's what broke the relationship. Jesus came back 
to establish the relationship. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to bear our sins. Why? So that we could know him again. And that knowledge of him is not just in this life, but it is going to be forever. If you remember, Jesus in the upper room said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, the context of this, of I am the way, the truth, and the life, is in the context of heaven. It's in the context of relationship. In fact, Jesus has just said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come again and take you to be with me so that where I am, there you may be also. This is all about relationship. And so there's two things about this that you've got to understand. Because we live with this two-world view. Because we know Jesus is coming back. Because we know he's called us to be his witnesses. Our lives matter because there are people who are dying and going to hell because they don't know Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that's pretty inclusive, can come to the Father except through me. Now, let's be real honest. We don't like to talk about this in our culture. In fact, for many, we've written off the idea of hell, of eternal judgment, separation from God. Why? Because, you know, we, we made God out to be such a loving God, God would never do that. So let me hopefully gently push back on you a little bit. A, I'm going to argue with you, God is not the one who sends us to hell. Sin does. The whole thing is God invited us to have relationship with us. That's what he created. We chose to sin. Then he sent Jesus to provide the way. He paid it all, did he not? He offers it as a free gift, did he not? Jesus has done everything. Yeah, but how? Well, again, have you ever thought... You know, we get so caught up with, you know, the lake of fire and all this. But, but do you really understand what hell is? Hell is the absence of God. There's no relationship with him. So there is no goodness. There's no kindness. There's no grace. There is no compassion. There is no justice. There is no mercy. It's a broken relationship with God. And that is what people are going to experience forever and ever and ever apart from Jesus. And so you and I have been given the marching orders. Go tell them. Go tell them. You will be my witnesses. And may I remind you that there in Acts chapter 1, that's actually the fifth time, the fifth time Jesus has told his disciples this since he was risen from the dead. We see it in Matthew. This is actually up on a mountain in the area of Galilee. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Mark chapter 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In the book of Luke, this is back in Jerusalem, he says this, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be reclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And oh, by the way, you are witnesses of these things. 
On the very night he was raised from the dead, John records that Jesus shows up and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And now he gathers them together one more time, and he says, you shall be my witnesses. Now, I don't know why God chose to use us, because it would seem to me he could have done it a boatload of different ways. He could have written it in the clouds every morning. He could have sent angels. They might have been a little more faithful about it. But he chose us. We are his instruments. And sadly, what I find is that many of us are sitting kind of gawking into heaven. We know Jesus is going to come back, and, and we're just kind of waiting for that day, twiddling our thumbs until the roll is called up yonder. And the point is, no, we have been given a mission to live Jesus, to share Jesus. That's what we have been called to do because there are people all around us. Oh, by the way, people who God is strategically on purpose not by coincidence, put in every single one of our lives who know him, who he loves, who he died for. And God has strategically put us in their life to live and to share Jesus with them. And that's a reason to get up in the morning. Because think about it. When you and I live Jesus and we share Jesus, <coughs> and those people come to faith in Jesus, one million years from today, they are in the presence of Jesus with us forever. It makes a difference. You impact eternity. But the second reason that it makes a difference is because the Word of God tells us that for those of us as God's children who are faithful to do what He's called us to do, living on mission brings great reward in that life. Now, now you've got to understand, see, sometimes we get so caught up in justification, and, and obviously we love justification, right? We have been forgiven. We are children of God. We're part of the family of God. We're going to have that sealed in what Jesus did. And we think that then, well, then there's no more evaluation. There's no more judgment. And the answer to that is, no, that's not true. That's not what Scripture says. Yeah, we're a part of God's family. Yes, that's our home. Best way maybe I could illustrate it is uh, I'm actually really blessed today. I've got two of my kids here. So actually three. I don't know where Jamie went, though. He's... But, you know, when, when they were kids, we would often, as we were going out and had stuff to do, we would leave them with kind of a list of assignments that we needed them to get done. And the promise was, hey, if you go and you do that, there will be reward, right? Allowance or whatever, you know, if you're a Dave Ramsey thing, commission, you know, that whatever. And so we would go off. And when we came back, you know, sometimes they had and sometimes they hadn't. But when they had, there was reward, right? There, there was the allowance. There was the commission. That was, it, it was a blessing. We didn't kick them out of the family when they didn't. 
wasn't that they weren't loved. It wasn't that they couldn't live there anymore. No, they're part of the family, but there was reward. There was benefit, and that's what the Bible tells us. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews, if you've been studying with us, he keeps coming back. Why do you persevere? There remains, Hebrews chapter 4, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There's an inheritance out there. We just looked at Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence. Don't shrink back. Why? Because that has great reward when we persevere. Paul said this to the believers. And by the way, you've got to understand, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers in 2 Corinthians 5. In fact, he just talked about how to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And then he says this, for we, you and I, children of God, must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand and give an account so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in his body according to what he's done. We are going to stand and give an account. And so you think about how we were given the marching orders, live on mission, be my witnesses. And to those of us who have taken that and we've lived that as our mission in life, knowing we're going to stand, man, that's going to have great value and great reward and great benefit in that day. So what does it mean to live on mission? Well, the way that we would describe it, we would talk about it as two ways. First of all, we're called to, first of all, show Jesus by the way that we live. We are called to live differently, to live Jesus, right? He's gone, so we are his image bearers. That has been restored through the cross we have been redeemed, and now we are to live as Jesus lived. We are to, in essence, be his hands and feet. We are to live with grace and mercy and truth and kindness and all of this. Second Corinthians puts it like this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have, new things have come. We're to live differently. And oh, by the way, two verses, three verses later, he says, and because of that, we are his ambassadors. We are here representing him. We are supposed to live in a way that is different than the way the world lives. By the way, I would argue with you that one of the biggest ways we live different is that sense of purpose. We're living for that day. We're living on mission. We live with grace. We live kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We live in that spirit of grace, of compassion. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians. By the way, I, I noticed this is Ephesians. It says Ephesians 4. It's actually Ephesians 5. The, my mistake on my notes. But he says this, but you were formerly darkness, and we all were. But now you're light in the Lord, so walk as children of the light. So now we ought to walk, not like we used to walk in darkness, but walk in light. And then notice what he says. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness. I think that talks about attitude, righteousness, our deeds, our actions, truth, what we think, how we think. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, our motivation. It's all different. As children of the light. And what we are called to do is to live this. In fact, what, what many of us fail to understand is, is that with people in our life, many of us are the only Bible they're ever going to read. 
Even when they're in a hotel and there's a Gideon sitting there, they're not going to pick it up. Now, by the way, Gideon's is a great ministry. And sometimes when in that moment of crisis, they will open that. But for most of them, no. Just what about us? We're that Bible. In fact, you know the number one reason why people hesitate, people use as an excuse not to seriously think about Christianity? It's the hypocrites, is it not? The people who say one thing but live another. What we're called to do is we're called to live Jesus. Now, we're not perfect, right? None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But how are we called as Christians to live our imperfections? Well, with humility, with repentance, with apology and confession. And in that, they see Jesus. I think that's what he had in mind in Matthew chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. So what does it mean to live on mission? It means to live in a way that I'm reflecting Jesus. The people see in my life that there's something different. But it goes beyond that. It's not just showing Jesus with my life. It is sharing Jesus with my lips. In fact, I would argue with you that it is not good enough just simply to live Jesus with your life. And the reason is because ultimately if that's all you are doing, all you're pointing to is yourself. Look at me. Look at what a good person I am. You know, I've been in ministry a long time. <laughs> and about every time I think I've, I've heard it all, I'll hear something else. So I don't ever say that I've heard it all, but I've heard a lot. One of the things I've heard a lot is, well, I can witness with my life, but I can't with my lips. That's not what God has called me to do. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not like Sean. Folk, I'm not an evangelist. Most of us aren't. But we're all called to be his witnesses. And here's the problem. If all I do is witness with my life, I can't save anybody. So, so I've got a neighbor. And let's say that I try to be a really good neighbor and live Jesus, live differently. So I'm always kind of looking for things that I can do, you know. And maybe the grass is getting a little overwhelmed, and so I go and cut their grass for them. And, and maybe it's late in the day and the trash cans haven't been picked up, so I go do that. Or I see him out trying to jump his car, so I go help and, and all that type of thing. And so I'm trying to really live this good, kind, gracious life. And God forbid, but he's out in that messy world of I-10... And ends up in an accident. And he's strapped in and they can't get him out and he's bleeding to death. And so now eternity in his life is flashing before his eyes. And he goes, man, if I had all of this to do again, I would really choose to live more like Steve. Because Steve was a good dude and I would like to live more like Steve. And he dies, guess what? It's going to hell. Because Steve can't save anybody. You see, it's only when I go, no, 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 you got to understand, I am who I am because of Jesus. I am who I am because of the change he's made in my life. It's Jesus who saves us. It's Jesus who forgives us. It's Jesus who changes us from the inside out. That's where we, we take our works and we point to the glory of the Father. 
And that's what we are called to do. We are to be his witnesses. And his witness is not just with our life, but it's with our lips as we share the story. That's what a witness does. They simply tell the story of what Jesus has done and of what Jesus offered. Now, the one thing I would remind you is there's a kind of a specific story with Jesus. I, I've heard some people say, well, you know, I got to witness. Well, what happened? You know, they're telling me the story. And, you know, maybe God, somebody had a God moment and they're telling about it. And they, and they said, and I said, praise Jesus. And I went, okay. And, you know, well, that was my witness. Well, okay. That's okay. But can someone get saved by just simply knowing praise Jesus? No. There's a message to the gospel. The message of the gospel is who Jesus is, that he's God's son. And secondly, what he did, he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead to pay for our sins, right? And we put our faith in him. I think John put it best in John 20. He says, this whole book has been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was chosen by God to bear our sins. That's what the whole book is about. In fact, it starts with that. From John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what it's all about. And that you may believe that he's the Son of God, and believing that, you would have life in his name. So it's a message to the gospel. And so we are called to both live that message in the way that we live, but to share that message that Jesus saves, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus conquered death. That's what we're called to do. And I know for many believers, they go, man, I, oof, I'm not sure I know how to share that. Boy, you've come to the right place. We talk about it all the time, events.dscchurch.com. We got evangelism training coming up. In fact, I, I pulled it up last night. It was, uh, you go to events page, it's the third one down, DS Evangelism. Find, get training. How do you learn to share your faith? What are the pieces of the gospel? What are the good questions that help lead into spiritual conversations? Right? For many of us, it's not necessarily a real natural thing. And so we, we've got training to help you to do that. But here's the thing, folks. You've got to understand that living on mission matters. It matters today because it'll give you a purpose. Man, you know how exciting it is to get up in the morning and know, I get to live Jesus today. I, got to, I get to look for opportunities to, to speak about Jesus and tell people what God's done in my life, what he could do for theirs. Man, it almost becomes that treasure hunt of how am I doing today? But it also matters tomorrow. Because the people that we in our life have prayed for and lived in front of and shared with who come to faith in Jesus man a thousand years from today they're with us a million years from today they're with us and it matters because you and I will get to stand before Jesus and hear those words well done good and faithful servant the rewards and benefits of all that that brings of a life that was lived in obedience to what God has called us to do. So here's what we're doing this weekend. I know for many, this is, you know, man, they want to. And his question is just, how do we do that? So you probably notice these boards up here. We don't typically have them. But the question is, who's your one? Right? So, so think about it. If we're to be his witnesses, and if 
he has strategically put people in all of our lives. Don't you think that maybe God's got in, for each of us somebody in our life right now? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, just someone that we, we get to know through a hobby. That somebody's there who God has been working in their heart and he has strategically put us there that God wants us to live and share Jesus with. It's who's your one. And, and so the question that we're going to ask is this. We've got, what, four, little less than four and a half months left in 2022. Who's your one? One what? Well, one that you'll pray for. Pray for daily. That God will be working in their heart. That God will give you opportunities to share. Somebody you don't know where they're at spiritually. And secondly, not only will you pray for them, but you will be intentional to connect with them for the purpose of, of trying to have a spiritual conversation. That doesn't mean you'll share the gospel because maybe as you get together and you're, you're wanting to, it's just not where the conversation goes or you already find out they're resistant. That, that's fine, but it's just intentionally, I'm going to you know, take them to coffee or if you're really spiritual, take them for iced tea instead of coffee. Uh, you, you're going you're gonna to have them over. You're going to set this up. We're going to go hike together for the purpose of maybe asking those questions to see where they're at spiritually and to see if there's an openness to hearing the good news of the gospel. Who's your one? Who's your one? By the way, if Jesus died for these people and he strategically has put you in their life, do you not think that that's a prayer that he might answer? Lord, help me to be a witness to this person. Lord, help me to find out where they're at spiritually. Lord, draw them to yourself. I think... I think you'll find that it is. And so the cool thing we want you to do, we're going to be dismissed in just a moment. we got four of these boards. We want you to come up. If you could write their name, that would small. That would be great. Just their first name. That's cool. Because we want you to be able to pray for them. Put that down in your phone or whatever. But as a staff, we come in here every Thursday. We pray over these. As maybe you get opportunity and our prayer team is in here praying on Tuesday morning, they're going to pray for them too. But we want to pray. We want to believe you say, well, man, I'm not exactly sure who that one would be. It's fine. Take a pray about it this week. These will be up next week. But the, by the end of the service next week, we're going to pray over these. We're going to ask the Lord to give those opportunities for every single person to hear and to respond to the gospel. Mm -hmm.